so our reading before Luke comes to speak to us is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, if you wish to follow. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. The Fellowship of Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I'll just pray for you, Luke, before you come up. Gracious Father, thank you for the, uh, for the preparation that Luke has done for this morning and just pray that uh, your spirit would really work through Luke this morning and that through your spirit we would hear from you in your name Lord. Amen. Thank you Luke. Thank you. It's good to have you leading again Mark. It's good to have some extra faces up the front and other people involved once more. If you're in the room you won't know about all the hoo-ha that's going on on Facebook and YouTube at the moment, or has been anyway. You know, it's been on and off and on and off. Would it even be a Sunday morning if there weren't technical difficulties? But YouTube is working because Martin's in the room. It's Facebook, which is the issue today. But welcome if you are joining us online. We are so glad to have you. Of course, the best way to avoid technical difficulties is to join us here in the room on a Sunday if you're able to. We would love to see you next week if you can. I'm going to pray Again, and then we're going to come round to this passage together today. Let's pray together. Father God, we do thank you for your words. We thank you, Father, that you speak to us, you encourage us, you challenge us. Lord, we pray this morning that as we begin to open up this subject together today, that we will hear your voice above everything. Lord, will you speak to us? Holy Spirit, will you come right now. For those who are watching online, we pray that there's no more technical difficulties this morning. We pray, Father God, that uh, this half an hour or so where we open up your words will be you directly speaking to us in the room and to those online. Have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Anytime that there is a major life event, usually what happens is there's going to be major change involved as well. Let me give you an example. When Joshua was born, our first-born child, we were so excited about what was to come, and people would say to us, oh, it's going to change your life, it's going to change your life. And I remember thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm sure some things will change, but really, how hard can this parenting lark be? And then, bam, it hits us like a train. Joshua is born, and oh my goodness, did life change? I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world, but wow, it impacted our life in ways that I never thought it possibly 
would. And, you know, I can give several examples in my life, some good, some bad, of where major life events have occurred. And as a result, life has never quite been the same again. And, you know, if that's true on an individual level, when things happen in our life, it usually amounts to change. How much more is it going to be true on a corporate level for us as a church? Let's be honest, when COVID hit, we were probably all quite naive about it at first, weren't we? We probably all thought to ourselves, well, you know, we'll give it a few weeks, we'll stop our services in person for a few weeks, and then, bam, we'll just click back into normal, and everything will be okay, and everything will be back to how it always was. And here we are, 14 months on, and it's great to have people back in the room, and I've been so encouraged in the last couple of weeks to see faces we haven't seen for a long time because of this season. It's been so encouraging to have children back in our children's groups on a Sunday morning, but this is not what we are used to, is it? This is far from our whole family. Who would have thought 14 months on we'd still be sitting on Facebook and YouTube going, I can't get my sound working, my picture's not working, it's gone off again, anyone else got sound today? We're still doing it. 14 months on, this is not what we signed up for, a major life event, brings about major change. And you know, as a result of that, I think it's left some of us asking some really big questions, hasn't it? Because we've got out of the habit of really what church was like 14 months ago. When 14 months ago we were in the kind of habit and the the routine of getting up early on a Sunday to come along to church and to come every single week, suddenly everything has changed and our patterns of what we do on a Sunday seem totally different to the point where those questions might even be about, well, what really is the point in church anyway? What really is the point in gathering? What really is the point in being part of this body? You know, I've heard people question things to those effects over the past few weeks and months. And often when people question in that way, it's often done in a kind of negative kind of way. I just don't know what church means for us in this next season. I'm trying to work out what it is all about. But you know, I genuinely believe that this is the exact question the church should have been asking for years. What is the point in what we do? Why do we do what we do? You see, in failing to ask that question, in simply going through the motions as maybe the church, I'm not specifically talking about hope here, I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ in general, in simply going through the motions of meeting together in a building on a Sunday morning, putting on our regular ministries and doing this, the other, the church has almost become irrelevant to a world that so desperately needs Jesus. The church has almost failed to proclaim the good news of Jesus to people who are wandering about and heading for a lost eternity. If you don't believe me, you've got to ask the question, why is it that the majority of church growth, and I do include Hope Baptist Church in this, why is it that the majority of church growth is about transference growth? People leave a certain congregation and join another congregation. Now, hear me, particularly if you are someone who has come from another congregation to hope, not all transference growth is bad. Sometimes people have to leave a congregation for a legitimate purpose and a legitimate reason. But when churches simply grow because other churches struggle, 
or people feel they have to move on because they're not being fed by the congregation that they are part of, it's not good. And something is wrong and something has gone amiss. Why is it that there are so many people in our locality, in the roads around this building, that are wandering and heading for a lost eternity without Christ right now? When we, as the church, have the answer to their issues. You see, God never changes. The gospel never changes. But here's the thing, people do change. And the way that we communicate that old, old story with people has to change. We have to say, God, what are you calling us to do right here and right now in order to reach a people who so desperately need you? Because it's when we ask those questions, we begin to have an impact. You know, I don't believe that God brought a but I do believe that God is using the effects of this pandemic to reshape his church and to realign us with his vision for the church to be the people that we were always meant to be. A group of people reaching out to see others come to know him. You know, through Jesus Christ, the church is the hope of the world. And if you have been questioning church recently and asking yourself, what is the point in it all? Let me tell you what the point in church is today in two simple statements. The Great Commission and the Great Commandment. To go into all the world and to preach the gospel, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That is the church in a nutshell. To love God, to love people, to be on mission together. To love God to love people, to be on mission together. Nowhere in Scripture did Jesus say, go into all the world so that you can have the biggest congregation in the city with the best band and the best music and the flashiest lights. When that's our aim, to be the biggest and the best and better than the rest, people end up seeing right through that because it's shallow and hollow and is not what the church is supposed to be about. And as a result, I believe that thinking in this season and bring our thinking back in line with his if you've been asking the question what is the point in church you're in good company it's the exact question that we should be asking in this season and if major life events bring about major change it's fair to say that church will probably never look quite the same again and for some people, you might sit here or you might be watching this and you might mourn that statement. Church is never going to look the same again. But I loved how it was. I loved being part of it like that. You know, for some that is sad. But genuinely, I believe that the best is yet to come. And this morning, I want to look at a major life event in Scripture which brought about major change. In fact, we're going to be thinking about our vision and values as a church a little bit in depth over these coming few weeks. And we'll be camping out in this passage over the next few weeks. And my hope and my prayer is that as we do, what you'll find is you'll feel an excitement beginning to bubble up within you again for, for church, for what God is calling us to do, and how you can be a part of it and your part to play here at Hope Baptist Church. So picture the scene with me this morning. You've been following a man around for three whole years. The teaching that he has brought has just made you feel alive. The miracles that he has performed has proved to you beyond doubt that actually he is who he says he is 
and you can trust him. But then it all comes crashing down around you. He's taken away, he's arrested, he's beaten, he's mocked, and he's hung up on a tree to die. Did I get it wrong? Was he who he says he is? But then three days later, the greatest miracle of all happens. This man who you have put your complete faith and trust in rises from the dead and he comes back to life. And then he meets you and he gives you an instruction to wait, to wait in Jerusalem because he's going to send the helper, the promised Holy Spirit who's going to lead you and he's going to guide you and he's going to teach you and he's going to empower you to be the people and the person that you always were meant to be. But you can't help wonder to yourself as you're waiting, as you're huddled together in an upper room with like-minded people who had seen and experienced this man's power for themselves, and you're afraid because the authorities want to clamp down on this message, you can't help but wonder, what is the future going to look like for us? What? is going to be in store in the coming days, in the coming weeks, and the coming months. But as prayers are being prayed, suddenly the room begins to shake. Tongues of fire begin to rest upon people's heads. And suddenly, for all of those who are present, this boldness becomes prevalent inside each and every one of you. So much you decide that you need to get out of that room and get onto the streets And you need to proclaim this Jesus for yourself. So that's what you do. And you go out on the streets. And what you see before your very eyes are people. People from all over the world. They're gathered to celebrate Passover. And they've descended on this place for this very time. And then you hear a sermon that is preached. It's a sermon which simply blows you away. And not only does it blow you away, it blows the thousands and thousands of people there who are gathered away too. So much so that thousands that day commit their life to Christ. What an amazing sight. What an amazing day. But what next? Major life events bring about major change. And what happens In the remaining verses in Acts chapter 2, what we've heard read to us this morning shows us the effects of that change. In terms of our vision here at Hope Baptist Church, hopefully you've heard us talk about five words over the past few weeks and months, belonging, believing, serving, impacting, and multiplying. These aren't words that we've plucked out of thin air. These aren't words that we've just dreamt up and thought that would be a nice, catchy saying. We've taken these words from this particular portion of Scripture. Let me show you. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's believing. And to fellowship. That's belonging. All the believers were together and had everything in common. That's serving. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. That's impacting. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's multiplying. And notice the model of their gatherings here as well. They met together in the temple daily. They were committed to a big gathering. They were committed to the wider body. They wanted to get together with the people. But then they met together in each other's homes. They were committed to one another. They were committed to walk together. What's going on here? This new group of people love God. They love people, and they're on mission together. In a nutshell, 
That is who we are. That is what we're called to do. That is what we see from Scripture. Church, if we're truly going to see the outworking of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment here, this is where it starts. And we're going to dive, as I said, a little bit deeper into some of these aspects over the course of the next few weeks. And I want to start this morning by focusing on believing. What does this actually mean for us? Because here's the thing. It's all right as a church to have a nice, catchy vision. It's all right to have nice words which we think we are. But unless we know what that really looks like, in reality, it means nothing. So what does believing really mean for us? Well, I believe it means this. We, as Hope Baptist Church, will be a church which has deep roots in Christ, that we might know God intimately so that we are always ready to give a reason for the hope which we have within us. And when the storms of life hit, we'll be able to stand firm. Let me say that again. We will be a church which has deep roots in Christ, that we might know God intimately, so that we're always ready to give a reason for the hope we have within us. And that when the storms of life hit, we will be able to stand firm. I wonder for how many of us that that has been our experience over the past few weeks and months, or indeed maybe that has not been your experience, that we felt alone, that we felt battered by the roots have felt shallow. And on so many levels, that's so natural because of what we have been through. A major trauma like we have been through over these 14 months is naturally going to lead us to feel and to question these things. It's going to bring up things maybe that we didn't even realize were there. But what if God has been using this season in your to genuinely show you where you stand with him? And that's not to condemn, but rather, I believe God wants you to experience more of him than you ever have up until this point. And in showing you where you are, he shows us a path to go deeper with him. It's what Paul talks about in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 3, when he prays these words over the church, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to, to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You see, when Paul prays this prayer in the book of Ephesians, his intent is clear. He wants the believers to be strengthened by God's spirit so that they might know intimately God's presence and his love. So what does that look like? Well, according to Paul, it looks like being rooted and grounded or established, as it's put here, in love. So let me ask you today, church, how deep do your roots go right now? When it comes to a plant, the roots are the source 
of life. It's the roots which draw the nourishment and draw the water into the plant so the whole plant can be fed. It's the roots of a plant or a tree which keep it standing firm in the face of a storm. And what is it that Paul says that we should be rooted in? We need to be rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus. What does it mean to be rooted and grounded? Someone put it like this. To build under you a deep and stable foundation of knowing and understanding the love of God for you. In other words, the knowledge of God's love is the foundational truth upon which everything else in our life is built. Friends, the best truly is yet to come. God wants to do so much more to you, through you, and for you, things that you can't possibly even imagine. But if that's going to happen, our roots have to go deep into him. And I want to suggest this morning that roots come from relationships. If we were to look at the whole of Ephesians chapter 3, what we'd see is that the whole of Ephesians chapter 3 is an exhortation to the church. And this prayer is a prayer which is directed at the church. And I want to tell you today, it's extremely difficult to be rooted in Jesus unless you're rooted into his church. Because the way God designed us first and foremost was for relationship with him and then for relationship with one another. We're meant to support and encourage and challenge and help one another. And Zoe's going to touch a little bit more on that next week when we talk about what it means to belong. But you know, it breaks my heart when people find themselves in a time of difficulty or a time of turmoil and their first reaction is to cut themselves off from the people of God and say, you know what, this is too difficult for me. I can't do this anymore. It's like having an illness, but you're refusing to take the medicine because you don't like the flavor of the medicine. Your roots will always be shallow if you're not committed and connected to his church. If you turn up to the moon, you never really get involved in a life group or you never really commit to being part of the fellowship. What happens is it's easy to forget and grow cold and think you're walking this journey alone. And if we don't root ourselves in God's, our heart begins to wander. Where are you at right now? How deep do your roots grow? How do you become rooted? Well, coming back to Acts chapter 2, what we see is that you have to take a step. When it comes to believing, what we read is this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves. It doesn't say they were spoon-fed and they listened to all the teaching that they liked. It doesn't say They listened to the apostles' teaching until they felt they were no longer getting spiritually fed by the apostles' teaching, and then they decided to join another congregation where they would agree with everything the preacher was saying. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I'm reminded of another group of people in Scripture, a group of people called the Bereans. You can read about them for yourself in Acts chapter 17. I won't read too much into them today, but I'd encourage you to go but picture the scene. Paul and his companions go to a place called Thessalonica. They go to there and they've got this strategy. Every time they go to a new place, they head for the synagogue and they start reasoning from the scriptures uh, about this Jesus who has changed their life. So they do that in Thessalonica and people get mad. They get really mad to the point where they want to capture Paul. But Paul escapes by night and goes to a place called Berea. When he gets to this place called Berea, he meets another group of people and he does exactly the same. He goes to the synagogue and he starts reasoning from the scriptures. But this group of people had a whole different approach. They weren't Christians at the time, but they had a love for the scriptures. 
So Paul comes along and he starts to connect the dots for them. He starts to tell them how Jesus fits in with the whole picture and who he is and what he came to do. And these people, they are absolutely eager to hear what he has to say. Acts 17.11 says that they were more open-minded than the people in Thessalonica and they received the words with eagerness. I love that picture. The idea of receiving something with eagerness. It carries the idea of kind of rushing forward or towards something. It brings to mind for me, my kids at Christmas, they'll wake up at a ridiculously early time because they're so eager to open their presence. I wonder when the last time you were eager for the word of God was. We see as well that this group of people, they examine the word of God for themselves. Verse 11 tells us that they examine the word of God every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. When was the last time, I wonder, you heard a sermon and you went away to dig more deeply into it and to examine it for yourself? When the Bereans heard the word of God preached, they didn't just accept it, they went away and they looked into it for themselves and they dug deep to see what the scriptures were saying. They, they studied it diligently. It's just like a judge would go away and study legal papers and examine them because he wanted to get to the bottom of the case. And that really challenges me. How do I interact with the scriptures for myself? You know, when Christians don't interact with the scriptures, they become shallow in their faith. When they don't study the word of God, what happens is we allow our feelings to govern and dictate where we're going rather than God's word and God's truth. And what we also see from this group of people is they had an encounter with God's word. Verse 12 says that as a result, many of them believed and a number of prominent Greeks and many Greek men. It's for a genuine encounter with God's words that our faith is strengthened. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God speaks to us in many, many different ways through people, through nature, through a still small voice of the Holy Spirit in our heart. But the primary way he speaks to us is through his word, the scriptures, the Bible. If our Bibles stay closed, we cannot, cannot say and be surprised if we don't think we're hearing from God as a church. And when we're talking about our vision, our heart is that we will be a people who do everything we can to help you as partners and people of Hope Baptist Church grow deep spiritual roots. You know, I want to see people who go so deep in Jesus that it doesn't matter what life throws, we're able to stand and go deeper with Christ. And over the course of the next few months, We'll be wrestling with that question about church together too and what church looks like for us in this next season going forward. Who is God calling us to be? What is God calling us to do? And you know, there are so many unknowns to that question. You know, I want us as a church to be thinking outside of the conventional box when it comes to this next season. I want us to be creative in how we reach people for Jesus. You know, it is not okay that there are people in these streets around us who probably have never heard the gospel preached. It is not okay that we just come and we gather in our nice holy huddles or we sit on our computers and we enjoy a sermon, hopefully you enjoy a sermon, and think, yeah, that's lovely, and then go away. That's not okay. You know, if the people of these streets around us and further afield hear the gospel and they reject it, that is okay. That's their choice to reject the gospel. But if they've, about it, if they've never heard Jesus, that's on us. We have to be a people who go 
We're not called just to sit in our nice, holy huddles. And you know, I don't know what church is going to look like going forward. Like I said, I want to think outside of the conventional church box. What would it look like if we had different expressions of church pop up all across this city who are part of Hope Baptist Church in different ways, shape and forms, house churches? I don't know what it looks like. But we've got to wrestle with the question. We've got to ask, God, what are you calling us to be? And who are you calling us to be in this next season? But here is one thing I do know. Whatever the shape of church looks like, we have to be a people who develop deep roots in Christ. If we're going to fulfill the great commission and the great commandment, what we believe has to be at the forefront. So in this next season, I want us to reaffirm our commitment to helping the people of Hope Baptist Church grow. We want to help you once again fall in love with King Jesus, where maybe your hearts have grown cold. We will be a church which grows deep spiritual roots that we might know God intimately so that we're always ready to give a reason for the hope which we have within us. And when the storms of life hit, we'll be able to stand firm. If you want that to be your reality, you have to take a step. How deep you choose to go will determine how deep and how much God chooses to use you in this place. If you simply choose to dip your toe in the water, you might like it for a while. It might seem pleasant for a while. You might be part of things for a while, but sooner or later you'll get bored and think, well, maybe this is not for me. In powerful and radical ways, if you want to have a faith which holds you up, even in the worst of storms, you've got to immerse yourself. So church, as we commit ourselves to being a believing church once more, what is your next step? For some people here, your next step might be to say, you know what, I've wandered over the past few weeks and months and now it's time to get back on it. Now it's time to recommit, recommit to to playing my part within the life of the church. I'm not simply going to tune in when I feel like it. I'm going to turn up to seek what God is calling me to do and how God is calling me to serve, I'm going to take the plunge. For some, it might be that you need to start doing life again with others. You know, this season has been a very easy season to cut off, hasn't it? And to become isolationist. And you know, for right reasons at times, we've had to make sure we're socially distant. But actually, too often, we've taken that one step further than we needed to, and we've just cut off and closed our doors and not had anything to do with anyone. Maybe God is saying to you right now, come on, I didn't make you to be in isolation. I made you to walk this journey with others. I want you to commit. Commit to a life group. To mi- commit to meeting with people in whatever way, shape, or form you feel that is safe to do at the moment. Commit to walking this journey with faith. Be open and vulnerable with one another again. For some... Maybe you've never started a relationship with Jesus and today the day is the day God is calling you into a relationship with him. Don't wait any longer. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. What is your next step? Truth is, in some ways, we're like that group of people, aren't we, at the moment, sitting in an upper room, waiting, wondering, not really knowing what the future is going to look like. But here's what we do know. God is in control, and he promises to send a helper. He has sent the helper. We've just got to be open to him. 
Is the future going to be easy? No. Is it all going to be rosy? No. Are we going to fall out at times? Yes. Are we going to get it wrong at times? Absolutely. But when we're a people committed to loving God, loving one another, and being on mission together, suddenly the hopeless of this city, the lost of this city, get to hear the truth of Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite you to stand if you're in the room. I'm going to invite the band back up. I'm hoping online you've been able to stay up with it and that you've been able to watch because the word of God does always demand a response. And as we sing, we're going to sing the creed. Obviously, you can't sing in the room, but we're going to use these words of this song just to, just to reaffirm our belief in an awesome and holy God. And as we do, my encouragement to you today is to ask the question, Lord, what is the next step you're calling me to take with you and with your church? Let's pray. Father God, forgive us for the times that our heart has grown cold over this last year. Forgive us for the times we've allowed that to happen. Lord, help us to see that questions aren't a bad thing. That it's okay to question. And Lord, in questioning what you're calling us to do next as a church, as your people, may we hear your voice. Even today, Lord, may we hear your voice. For those watching at home, for those in the room, Lord, will you speak to us? Lord, I pray right now for pictures and for words of knowledge for your people. I pray, Lord God, for scriptures to be bubbling up once again in people's hearts. I pray, Lord God, for an excitement for the future, not just a fear. And Lord, where there is a fear, Holy Spirit, we pray your strength in us. You didn't give us a spirit of fear, your word tells us that but of power and love and of a sound mind. So have your way, King Jesus. And as we allow the words of this song to wash over us and those at home might sing along, may we once again see you for who you really are. In Jesus' name, amen.